What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. The new year for your money, whether stocks can keep up their record run. We'll discuss and debate that with the Investment Committee. We're also convening our second stock summit today. We'll get top picks from the committee, the names and the sectors they expect to do the best in the year ahead. Joining me for the hour today, Liz Young, Jenny Harrington, Joe Terranova, Steve Weiss, and John Ajarian. He's the co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Let's go to the wall. I'll show you the markets as we do get 2022 underway. We're positive across the board. S&P was above its closing high. It's dropped back a bit. It's still good for five points. S&P uh, right there at 47.71. Dow Jones Industrial is good for 35. Nasdaq's the outperformer today, even though interest rates are on the move. Take a look at the 10-year note yield, 161. All right, guys, good to see everybody. Happy New Year to all. Uh, excited about this year ahead, certainly in the market. Let's talk about some of the things that we have to contend with, what I like to call the state of play. Right. We, we do this a lot. We sort of throw the major issues out there and then we discuss and debate them. Number one, we've been up for seven quarters in a row. So the big question is, can we keep that kind of momentum going? High tech valuations still remain a serious question, mostly outside the FANG complex. I'm talking some of those enterprise software names and some other areas of technology. Rising rates, I just mentioned the two-year today hitting its highest level since March of 2020. The 10-year note, I had this earlier, 159. Well, I told you right now, it's at 161. So it's a fast-changing situation and certainly one that could very well impact the markets in the weeks ahead. Which brings me to what does the Fed do? What does the Fed do? What happens with COVID? Does that affect the Fed's timeline? We'll have to wait and see. So, Liz, I've put a lot up there. What's on your mind today? I'm going to start with the last part first. What does the Fed do and how does COVID affect it? Every single wave that we have of a new variant, we get over faster. And I think that will continue to happen. But what we saw with this last wave is that it impacted supply and not demand, which tells me that inflation is still here to stay for the first half of 2022. And it means that the Fed has to move. They made a pretty clear pivot at the end of 2021 to say, OK, the labor market is better. Inflation is now our top concern. So we're going to continue to see that headwind. I titled my outlook this year as running into the wind I think that we still have a positive 2022, but we are up against a lot of new obstacles. And those obstacles are mainly tightening higher rates. And as you mentioned, the 10 year on the move, the two year on the move. I think, number one, it's not a bad thing if those rates go up. If the curve is steepening, it's an indication that the economy is strong. I think the economy stays strong, but stocks this year have a lot of things to trudge through in order to get to the other side in positive territory. Because I, I love the way, Steve Weiss, that Liz frames this, that, you know, we've been so accustomed for the most part to having the wind at our backs as investors, just the way the market's done over the last many years, the 
fact that we've had so much liquidity in the market thanks to the Fed. Now you're running into the wind, as Liz puts it. And I, I like the way she frames it. Is, is that how you see things as well as you consider that list of issues that, that I put on the forefront today? I do. I do. And I want to emphasize one of the issues that, that you put forward, and that is rates. Today, the market's trading as if COVID is done completely over. And it may be because people are becoming, I wouldn't say immune to COVID, but immune to the lockdowns as demand, again, as Liz points out, remains strong. And we can all attest to that. If we see the velocity of rates repeat itself, as we're seeing today, and I don't think we will, then the market's in for a world of hurt. So the Fed is going to go along with what they said they're going to do. I believe that reading through the lines of what they said, they're going to tighten beginning in the first half of this year, maybe as soon as March or April, more likely April. So that could cause some, some rough sledding for the market. But if you just take a look at the volatility today, it's a microcosm and just a little bit of what we're going to experience going forward. So the question will be more, what's investors' appetite for staying in the market since it's been such easy sledding not only in retrospect, but as we live through it with V-shaped recoveries continually. So are it's going to be a market of strong hands or is it going to be weak hands? And if rates continue to move higher, are we going to see money go from equities into credit? So you've got all these headwinds. You do when headwinds. You do have this wall of worry. I'm still long. As I mentioned before, I'm going to start cutting back exposure so I have cash to buy the dips. So I think we'll still have a positive market this year, but you do have to be selective where you are. Yeah, Jenny, uh, history does suggest that we're going to get off to a, a good start. I know we're, we're not quite as strong out of the gates today. Uh, we're giving up a little bit of the gains. Bank of America says 11 of the last 13 years. The S&P 500 was higher in the first week of the new calendar year. On average, 1.6%. That's something to keep in your back pocket. Canaccord says history following greater than 20% upside years in the S&P 500 point to solid returns for the next year, but also suggest waiting for early year downside before adding any broad market exposure. Um, how do you... You factor those two things in with a lot of the issues that investors are going to have to contend with this year. So I think about that Mark Twain quote where he says something like history often rhymes, but it doesn't repeat. And I don't take too much. I don't put too much weight in those because history generally doesn't repeat. And so I kind of want to say at every point in time, our starting point is now. Our starting point is today. While those might have held true in the past, Liz made a really strong point, And I think she really nailed it in the way she wrapped it up. We have headwinds. And the wind is in our face right now. And so I don't know what the next week holds. I also think that a very short period like the first week is very hard to predict. I think the long, you know, a, long, a year is always easier to predict. So I'd rather not overly focus on the next week or even the next month, but rather focus on the year ahead. The thing that I'm looking at, and I've got a good analogy for this one, I think, is how the market behaves in response to Fed tightening. One of the things that you heard Liz say and Steve say is we know tightening's coming. We know they're raising rates. We know tapering has already started. So we, we know all of this. There's no one in America who's an investor who doesn't know all of this, or at least they should. But then how the market behaves in response is going to be a different thing. I liken it to when you're driving with your kid and the kid kicks the back of your seat and you're like, please don't kick the back of my seat. Please don't kick the back of my seat. If you kick the back of my seat again, I'm gonna take your dessert away and then they kick the back of your seat again, you take their dessert away and they go ballistic. Like, we all know what's happening, right? But is, it, is the market going to, are our investors actually going to have digested that and behave rationally? Or once rates start rising, 
is there going to be a panic attack? We're not going to know that for some time. So I'm really looking out in the year to see where the, the real kind of 2022 starts to shape up. Unless, John Nigerian, we're, we're overestimating this wind that's blowing in our face after being at our backs for, for so long. And then we step back and say, look, you know, the pandemic is going to end, hopefully sooner rather than later. And you're still, yeah. you still have the prospects of a, of a boom on the other side of that. You're still going to have Fed liquidity. This is not all ending today, tomorrow, or the next day, regardless of whether the Fed raises interest rates one, two, or, or three times. Are rates going to be in a different place than they are today? Well, sure. Are they going to be off to the races? Maybe not. Is inflation going to be in a different spot than it is today? Maybe. But maybe also it, it, it as well it is not going to be something that's going to force the Fed's hand more so that they, they want to do. The environment still seems to be, and profits, by the way, are going to be good. And corporate spending is going to be good. And buybacks are still going to be there. Are we, are we making too much of the headwinds? Well, uh, just like any weatherman, Scott, we're going to have to uh, uh, tell you when the winds are going to come. If Liz is saying they're in our face right now, I disagree. They're going to be in our face. Uh, and I think she's, again, I love the analogy, Liz. And I do think they will be in our face. Obviously, today, they are not in our face. Um, we've got a little bit of, uh, you know, that COVID uh, Omicron hangover, if you will, Scott, as we see Europe both rebelling against some of the lockdowns as well as, you know, some of the uh, uh, other areas of the world that have elected to go a different route with how they're going to deal with Omicron. But um, right now, we're able to pretty much freely move across America with the exception of, of course, the crews that the airlines can't get together because of the uh, sick outs and so forth. Uh, luckily, that's been cut to five days from 10, and that'll have a significant impact, as we've heard the Delta CEO uh, basically say. Um, but I think overall, Scott, what we're looking at is the winds will pick up and they will pick up. Uh, we then will see who, who are the strongest fighters against that wind. Right now, I would say it's pretty easy. Uh, we're getting a preview today that as rates go up, we're going to see housing have a little tougher time, pretty much across the board, down 3% today. Lennar, Pulte, uh, Toll Brothers, and so forth. Who's going to do well? Well, of course, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, because and Charles Schwab, because they have... Uh, the ability to lend money through the margin lending process. Uh, then you go to the banks like J.P. Morgan, Bank America City, also up about 2 to 3% today. So I think all of that continues. Um, and I think mm -hmm. the big thing that you said that I'm watching for, Scott, is whether or not we do see a very significant uh, velocity surge in the 10-year. I am not anticipating that. I think that's the outlier result. Even though we've made a move over 160 today, I don't think we make a big moonshot through 2%. I think that's like a ceiling. We hit that ceiling and then bounce and hang around that level for a long time, Scott. So that's what I'm looking for. In other words, I think the wind is out there, but it's not a strong wind yet. It gets stronger as we get to 2%. And if we hit 2% and bounce back, then I think we can handle the wind just fine. You'll keep Joe watching rates, obviously, as you know, Doc's talking. It's the most relevant area probably to keep your eye on as we hit 161 on the 10-year. John was talking about some of the financials, which are coming off a great year. Financials were up more than 32 percent 
2021. And one of your new buys, which is separate from our stock summit, which is coming up in a, in a little while as well, is Regions Financial. Tell us why you bought Regions. Well, I want to increase my exposure to financials. Uh, Scott, I'm of the belief that Treasury yields are going to continue to rise. That's going to be the theme here early in 2022. It's not just domestic, it's actually global. So overseas, a German 10-year hasn't been in positive territory since May of 2019. It's approaching that level now. So I'm under-allocated in financials. I have Bank of America, I have Goldman Sachs, I have Morgan Stanley. I want the exposure to regional banks, regions financial down in the south. It's one of the most qualitative banks uh, that you're going to be able to find. And as you approach 2% for a 10-year, there's $4 billion worth of liquidity that regions will be deploying into the loan market to take advantage of a widening, uh, steepening yield curve. And certainly we're seeing that today. So it's all reflective of just kind of positioning towards higher yield environment, steeper yield environment, better exposure to financials wonder also what that's going to mean for tech. I, I think, Liz, it's the most significant question as we kick off a new year is, is what's going to happen with tech. A very, very interesting note today out for Wedbush. Uh, yes, they acknowledge that valuations are, are sensitive right now for especially high multiple tech stocks. You sort of have to break these up into high multiple tech versus some of the fangs where they say, and I quote, our view heading into 2022 is that tech stocks will be up 20% for the year with a robust growth backdrop for the tech space. Uh, that is a very big call. Do you agree with it? Uh, I agree that that's a very big call. I, I don't agree with the call. And just to really kill this analogy, I think uh, the wind in the tech space, the headwind in the tech space is going to be much stronger. But here's what I would say. If you look at what happened in 2021, if you take the S&P equal weight index versus the S&P market weight index, they were less than 1% different in performance, which means that those big five names that we continue to talk about that I think people expected were the ones that stood out didn't actually stand out that much, and the market did just fine. So even if there is a headwind in those big five names, the market can still do okay. High multiple tech, I think, is going to see a strong headwind through 2022. Every time the Fed speaks, they're going to see a headwind, especially if they stay more hawkish. And then when the Fed actually moves, they're going to see a headwind as well. So I would be careful in that space, and I would be careful with that double-digit expectation. John Ajarian, I mean, you've got a lot of exposure across the space. If you look at the performance in 2021, there are some legitimate questions about cloud and enterprise software. The cloud ETF, CLOU, was down 5% on the year in 2021. The software IGV mm -hmm. uh, ETF was up 12%, so it was less than half of the performance of the S&P 500. Those remain big questions coming into this new year. They do, Scott, and yet... Some of the companies um, that are really exploiting the cloud, uh, not only because, for instance, Microsoft has Azure, um, but because Microsoft uh, has those that reoccurring revenue rather than the one-time sale of its software, um, they have been killing it um, and are far outstripping that 12% return that you just cited accurately. Um, I think that there are many other stocks in this space you know, like Adobe, uh, that will continue to do very well with publishing, um, with all of the Photoshop and so forth. I, I think that there are plenty of 
winners in the software space that do get that reoccurring revenue that that's one of the you know magic bullets if you will for anybody in tech is that reoccurring revenue and they get it in spades apple gets it of course through the use of the cloud and the storage that we have um, but that's not so much the software play that you and i are talking about here uh, but nonetheless that is another reason to stay focused on a stock like apple which you know is still right now today just that far away from that three trillion dollar mark scott i mean joe you almost feel like the nasdaq comes into 2022 on a whimper you know i mean i'm looking at the performance now i mean anybody would take 21 percent return for the nasdaq which is what it did in 2021 it did get outpaced by the s p 500 and it was fighting it out pretty well with the dow too towards the end of the year um, it remains a question mark. You have a good amount of exposure. Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, NVIDIA, AMD, CrowdStrike, Fortinet, LAM Research, which hit a new record high today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Scott, and I, I'm not sure if you know the statistic, but as we closed out the year, over 50% of the NASDAQ was trading below its 200-day moving average. So uh, certainly there, there was not dispersion in terms of the performance. Um, I do have continued exposure, and it's more in large cap technology on the belief that these large cap technology companies are going to continue to be buying back shares of, of their stock in a very aggressive manner. Beyond that, in the, the cloud names and a lot of the semiconductor names, I think ultimately you will experience a recovery in semis that will benefit again the larger equity size class. But in cloud, cybersecurity has been very critical uh, to me thematically for the better part of 2021. It's reflected in my ownership of Fortinet. It's reflected in my ownership of CrowdStrike. And I think some of these names have experienced the worst of the selling pressure uh, in Q4. Some of these names potentially, I think you'll be able to go in uh, and, and buy and use this weakness as an opportunity. So. I don't think we're going to be able to paint that broad brush in the entirety of a lot of these higher valuation technology names that have come under such significant pressure. I think you could mine tactically for some opportunities in them. And that's what I've done along the way, buying CrowdStrike as I did just a couple of weeks ago. This, this makes me think of Jenny um, because, you know, hoping that this is your moment, right, that we, we stop talking so much about high valuation tech Jenny, and we get into your wheelhouse, which is lower valuation, value tech, if, if you want to call it that. Whether I'm talking about IBM or Cisco or Intel, I'm, I just pulled up Teradyne because I wanted to see what the forward PE was on Teradyne. It's 26 and a half, so it's not you know, anywhere close to some of the sky-high valuations that we were talking about with some of these other names. Is, is this the year that we're going to talk more about those rather than the high flyers? Well, I think it's interesting to say should we talk more about them? Frankly, we should have talked more about them last year because if you look at the returns of the Teradynes, the AMATs, the Cisco's, all of them, they outpaced, many of them outpaced the FANG. In fact, if you look at our tech portfolio, minus IBM and Intel, all of our other holdings dramatically outpaced the FANG stocks last year. So hopefully we do start to talk about them more because frankly, they deserve it. One of the things I've thought about on why we haven't spoken about them as much is because they're simply not as interesting. Every single person can have a personal story about Amazon. You know, I bought Amazon, I use Amazon, I saw the delivery trucks out. That's not true in the same way for Cisco, even though 
every one of us is using Cisco products right now to even be on the show, and most people are using them in their house one way or another. It's not that same personal experience. So I've thought a lot about why weren't they in the dialogue last year. They deserve to be. They're just not as fun to talk about. I think they should come into the dialogue. I think they still, even though they had great years last year, I think they should continue to outpace the broader market um, next year and the tech sector overall. So yeah, maybe now is the time to shine in terms of talk, but last year they shone in terms of, in terms of return. Hey, Doc, I'd be remiss if before we went uh, and took our first break, I didn't talk about Tesla, which is surging today. And that's an understatement on this delivery beat. Um, you obviously own Tesla calls <laughs> and you've played a lot in the EV space. You want to leave us with a thought about Tesla today and what your expectations are for this new year with a surge like the one we're seeing today? Absolutely, Scott. And thank you for that. Um, yeah, they blew away the numbers. Nearly 50,000 more vehicles produced than were expected. That's not just a raising the bar a little. That's jumping over that ladder. Uh, that's not just stepping across a ladder that's laying down on the floor. Um, the numbers were fantastic. The fact that somebody jumped in today and bought $41 million worth of the 1,200 calls that expire this Friday. They've already made money on those calls today, Scott, but they're obviously looking for a lot more upside than what we've seen so far today. We have another day like today, but $41, $41 million investment might go to $100 million plus um, if we top 1,200 on Friday. So yeah, it's a great day for the EV space, Neo, Lee, uh, Tesla, Lucid, all killing it, and I'm happy to say I have positions in those. Yeah, I'm sure you are happy to say that. All right, we're going to take our quick break. Yes, Up sir. next, it's our 2022 Stock Summit, the investment committee revealing their top stock and sector picks for the new year. We're going to debate them as well as any good investment committee would do. Halftime's back in two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one, which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Frank Holland. Here's your CNBC News update at this hour. We begin in Canada. Its most populous province is implementing strict new health restrictions to slow the spread of COVID starting on Wednesday. Students in Ontario will move to remote learning for at least two weeks. Indoor dining and gyms will be closed and retail stores will be limited to 50 percent capacity. On the news, getting back to school here in the U.S. and the wide range of plans for keeping the Omicron variant at bay. That's tonight at 7 Eastern. 
Back here in the U.S., New York's attorney general has subpoenaed two of former President Trump's children. It's all part of a fraud investigation into Trump and the Trump Organization. The subpoenas of Ivanka and Donald Trump Jr. were revealed in a court filing seeking to block them from having to release documents and testify under oath. And even President Biden is having a bit of trouble with that snowstorm hitting the nation's capital. The snow blowing sideways as he got off of Air Force One at Joint Base Andrews. Up to 10 inches of snow were expected in D.C. today. And Scott, anybody who knows D.C. knows that more than an inch can shut the city down. Back over to you. Yes, that is, in fact, true. <laughs> All right, Frank, thanks. That's Frank Holland. All right, after a stellar 2021, many expect more difficult sledding for investors this year, given so many variables to consider, from COVID to the Fed, expectations of more volatility. Picking the right stocks has never been more important, which brings us to our second stock summit, the top picks from our investment committee. Joe, we're going to start off with you. And as a matter of fact, you've got a couple of new buys. To make everybody, just, just let everybody know what the rules are here. Three stock picks in one uh, sector is what we asked everybody for. First new buy, United Health Group. Why'd you pick this one? Well, first of all, healthcare is my favorite sector. It's trading at a discounted valuation to the S&P of nearly 20%. That's the widest discount since 1990. At some point, we are going to return uh, to an environment where it's an endemic in terms of how we're categorizing COVID. That means a lot of the elective surgeries and practices will return once again. United hey, Healthcare in um, the managed care space is a clear leader, a clear leader in terms of its ability uh, to take the optum care and optum health and utilize that to continue to grow revenue. Very conservative as they look forward into 2022, Scott, in terms of what their healthcare cost growth is going to be. So I've got, as I look forward here into 2022 with United Healthcare, very low expectations that have been set by the company itself, very strong market share uh, in utilizing Optum Care and Optum Health, and an environment that certainly is much better from a policy perspective and from a reversal of sentiment now towards healthcare. So like healthcare overall, United Health, I've established a position in it, and I think this stock goes well into the 500s. Uh, where it's trading slightly below today. Wow, yeah, it's a sweet-looking chart. I'm looking back on January 6th, a year ago. It was trading at 359, yeah. uh, and you can see that nice move from bottom left to upper right uh, as we take a look at that stock, and there it is on your screen. Your next new buy, uh, Qualtrics International, Joe, you purchased uh, towards the end of last year at $35 and change. Tell us about it. I, I did, and, and th you know, th th this one has some controversy towards it, because this is an emerging software company. It speaks exactly towards these high valuation technology stocks that we kind of grew so afraid of in Q4. But it's an example of an emerging technology company that I think has endured a lot of the selling pressure. And now we can kind of shine the light on what this company really is doing in the experience management for its customers, CRM. It IPO'd at the end of January last year. It's a spinoff, basically, from SAP. Ryan Smith, the owner of the uh, Utah Jazz, is the co-founder of the company. And they really have invested in the business. They've invested in growth over the last three years. Now that's going to kind of transition to a point where it's going to reflect positively on the balance sheet with strong free cash flow generation, strong partnerships with Amazon. Uh, they just AWS 
extended uh, the relationship that's going to allow for better insight uh, for all Amazon workers. And it's really just overall experience managing and improving that experience for the customer and elevating what the brand might be. So this is an emerging software stock that I believe does not belong at 35. I believe the stock belongs well above 50. And I think ultimately, once the fundamentals come forth here, that's where the stock will be pricing at. Yeah, it's uh, not a profitable business. So we're, we're going to have to keep our eye certainly uh, on that. Correct. Uh, Joe, Interactive Brokers is another one which you own yeah. and uh, the Joe T owns and you personally ha have owned. Yeah, Scott, I want, so my three favorite sectors, healthcare, technology, I've covered those with United Health and Qualtrics, and then financials, lastly. Um, so in financials, I think we are looking towards a year. We're coming off 2021, where you had the highest risk-adjusted return for the S&P 500, largely because of low volatility environment. Well, at the beginning of the show, you described all the various headwinds that this market faces. That equates to me to higher volatility. That's going to benefit more transactions, interactive brokers, fantastic platform, strong risk management. Tom Pettifee and his team doing an excellent job there focusing on risk management. And I know a lot of people talk about getting exposure to crypto via Coinbase. I'm not against that. Coinbase is a quality company. Coinbase is a great way to get that exposure. But you could also get that exposure with interactive brokers. They allow for that crypto trading. So I like this name, steepening yield curve, financial, volatility in markets, a lot of transacting going on for risk assets. Interactive brokers is the vehicle to get me that exposure. Okay, healthcare is your sector pick. Uh, you mentioned that with United Health Group. Let's yes. take it to the committee. Steve Weiss, uh, we sit around the table, we throw out ideas, and, and then we debate them. What do you think of Joe's picks? Well, United Healthcare is stock that I uh, continually am disappointed that I don't own. It's just been phenomenal. And they are the leader in the group, and they have all the pricing uh, discretion versus doctors, versus, versus pharmacies. Um, so they're going to be a winner, perpetual winner. It's one of the stocks you just hold on to. And by the way, any legislation will be on drug pricing, which will help them further. So I love that pick. In terms of, in terms of the software company that's, that's not making any money, well, I'm just not going there this year because I continue to believe those stocks will be penalized, particularly newer trading stocks that just haven't performed as well as perhaps their fundamentals in the year that they became a public company. So mm -hmm. that's how I'm looking at it. As far as interactive brokers, it, it, it's a crowded space. I think it could work. Smart management. Um, you know, and there's going to be activity. My concern is that activity dies down a little bit coming off the major, major IPOs. Now, of course, they don't bank, but they do trade them. However, with volatility improving mm -hmm. as a pure trading operation, I think it'll do fine. Okay. Uh, Liz Young, let's move to you. And we're talking some funds, uh, some different ETFs here. Number one on your list is the Autonomous and Electric Vehicle ETF. That's the Drive DRIV, the Eurostock 50 ETF, the FEZ. Interesting play, uh, looking for value over in Europe. Tell me about those two first, please. Sure. So the the Drive ETF is my juicy play. And I'm, I think John Nigerian is going to be behind me on Hello? this one. But basically looking at where you can play that tech space. And I think this autonomous vehicle, the electric vehicle space, investors showed a ton of enthusiasm about in 2021. 
regardless of whether we get fiscal spending or not, this continues to be a huge growth area. And I think it's a growth area that you can put your money in regardless of where rates are going. So we're seeing a ton more competition in the space that's good for consumers. I think there's gonna continue to be appetite for these names. And that's not just the cars, that's the components, it's the technology behind the vehicles, it's the whole space in general. So it's a very well diversified ETF. When we look at Europe, I think, and I know this is a little bit contrarian. Yeah, a little bit contrarian. So when you look at Europe, I chose this particular ETF because I would start with Europe if you need to start dipping your toes into international. And Europe, I think, starts to come back maybe spring, summer this year, and then has a nice second half. They've obviously been held down by bigger COVID concerns than we were held down in the U.S., but I think they start to recover, and there's a revival, especially in travel and especially in the consumer. Biggest sector in this ETF is consumer discretionary, and I think there's a nice opportunity there. The, uh, the next one, your final uh, individual pick, is the S&P 500 low volatility. That's the SPLV. Yeah, so a couple different reasons for this one. There are a lot of investors who are looking to hedge their portfolios, take some beta off the table, but they can't quite find it in themselves to go into bonds yet or go into cash. So I would recommend starting to readjust into some lower volatility options. This particular ETF is the 100 stocks that have exhibited the lowest vol over the last 12 months, and it reconstitutes quarterly. It's a good option in times when I think we're gonna continue to see whiplash. You don't wanna have the stocks that are gonna participate in all of that whiplash on the up or the downside. Yeah. Um, your sector pick is financials. I'm, I'm assuming that's a bit of a higher rate play. So, Dr. J, what do you think of these picks? I mean, the con- most contrarian one is certainly the Euro stocks 50, the, the FEZ. I know you play and uh, you certainly have high interest in the uh, EV and autonomous vehicle ETF. But why don't you why don't you take the Europe one, though? What, what do we think about that? Sooner or later, Scott, Europe is going to actually get some performance going. Um, but it, that has been just a broken dream time and time again. Now, uh, you know, that said, Liz is a very smart investor. She talks to a lot of folks that I don't talk to about working and uh, deploying capital in Europe. My main reason, Liz, that I tend to avoid Europe is the uh, uh, more or less the slippage is so much greater than in U.S. Uh, equities where I can trade in and out for, you know, literally pennies. In some cases with broad market ETFs, you can do that in Europe. But for the most part, for the equities over there, I find, Scott, that the slippage is too great. And so given what I said about the lack of performance there, um, that's one of the reasons that I avoid it. The second reason is for individual equities, again, not for a broad market MSCI or any other big Uh, robust ETF, I think the uh, uh, entry and exit can eat up a decent percentage of my potential return. Okay. Uh, Jenny, on to you. And it's so interesting because you have three picks for us. Your your sector is energy. None of your picks are in energy, uh, which is interesting. Uh, And it is coming (laughs) off uh, just a spectacular 2021. Your individual stock picks are New York Community Bank Corp. That's NYCB. Star Bulk Carriers, SBLK, and Western Union, WU. The floor is yours. Okay, thanks. So we'll start with New York, New York Community. Well, what I tried to do with each of these, I went through the portfolio and I thought, 
where, where are three stocks where there's really specific events that should happen in the next year related to these? Because the truth is, I really want to win this next June when you hold our feet to the fire. So for New York community, um, they should complete an accretive merger with Flagstar Bank. They have a big overdue loan. That should become current. Hopefully in the next earnings call, we'll hear that. Um, between those two events, I think that could add about 15% plus to the share price. You take that plus a 5.5% dividend yield, sounds pretty good to me. Then you've got Starbulk, which is a dry bulk shipping company. With this one, what I think we're going to see in 2022 is we're going to see actual clarity come into the space with respect to capital discipline. We're going to see that that actually maintains that the ship owners don't go crazy and build a ton of new ships, which will um, constrain supply, we'll see demand continue, and as that happens, these guys should, and I don't mean just Starbuck, but everyone in this space, they should mint cash. And as they mint that cash, they're going to pay out large dividends to shareholders, and with that, a little bit of belief or trust hopefully will come back into the space, driving the share price up. Another thing about Starbuck is it's currently trading at five times earnings, and it's a variable dividend yield, so if you look at it, you'll be like, oh my gosh, it's a 20% yield. That's probably not really the case. It's variable, it'll be based on their profitability. My guess is that all in all, in 2022, the total dividend will be in the mid-teens. So I'm like, five times earnings, mid-teens dividend yield, that is either a ton of margin of safety if things go wrong, or it's a springboard if things go right. And then lastly, Western give Union, me, here you have a new CEO Yeah, give me something in. quick. Give me, yeah. just be quick on, be, be quick on Western okay. Union if you could, please. You got it. Okay, new CEO, new IR. As the new CEO settles in, they'll bring him out on a road show. As they get the story out, they should return to the historic multiple, which is, call it, 13 times, and the stock should return to $26. All right, good Maybe stuff. We're keeping no? uh, our eye on those stocks, all, all, all of them on the move. All right, still ahead, we continue with the Stock Summit. Steve Weiss, John Ajarian give their top ideas for 2022. We're back right after this. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. And welcome to the ETF Edge portion of Halftime Report. I'm Bob Pisani. ETFs saw another record year of inflows in 2021. What's ahead? 
for 2022. Let's talk to one of the top ETF watchers in the country. Tom Lydon is from ETF Trends. Tom, we saw nearly $1 trillion in inflows into ETFs in 2021. Assets under management now approaching $8 trillion. You say 2021's big themes, ESG, thematic tech, not 2022. They'll give way to inflation themes. What kind of inflation-protected investments are you recommending? Well, Bob, it's funny. Everybody thinks about gold when they think about inflation. Gold actually had, GLD had net redemptions of almost $9 billion this year. It's all about spreading into areas like energy, which was a huge surprise. We also saw agriculture, base metals. So some of those diversified ETFs in those areas did very, very well. It was very, very surprising that we saw bonds not do so well. TIPS, on the other hand, brought in a record $35 billion. So again, going forward into 22, I think we're going to see more of the same. The big message to investors, Bob, is inflation and rising interest rates does not do well for your bond portfolio. And we've got hundreds of billions of dollars that's tied to the Barclays Ag. And that index is going to suffer as we continue to see higher interest rates. So what about the stock market? Is the tech domination finally open, over? We've had 13 years of technology and growth stocks outperforming value stocks like energy and banks and pharmaceuticals. Is that long domination finally starting to end? Well, the good thing, it diversified. Uh, yeah, the S&P 500 did well, but the equal weight S&P 500 did just as well as the SPY, for example, or the QQQs. And as you said, Value, large cap value, almost did as well as that group, too. So going forward from a valuation standpoint, that says a lot for stocks going into next year. Cyclicals are something that we're going to keep a watch on. But as you point out, the Kathy Wood innovation disruptive thematic strategies took it on the chin a bit. But from a long term standpoint, I'm not sure if I'd bet against them. And one other area, online buying and also China. We're clearly in the red. The question is, will they end up turning around as we go into 22, as they've had some major corrections? All right. Sound like you got a lot of bases covered. Now, we're going to have much more on the big themes for 2022 with Tom and John Davi from Astoria Advisors. Coming up on ETF Edge at 1 p.m. Eastern time, will we finally get a Bitcoin ETF in 2022? And Bill Lapine on Kathy Wood making that comeback. ETFedge.cnbc.com at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Halftime back right after this. Welcome back to our 2022 Stock Summit. All right, Steve Weiss, you are on the clock. Uh, Porsche is one pick. You've talked a lot about that. Corvo, you've owned that for a while, along with Skyworks. That's number two. I want to focus on number three, which is on semi, which we haven't talked about all that much. Can you tell us why that's part of your stock summit pick? Sure. And I prefer to do my top picks in retrospect, but I'll do it this way this time. Look, I like on semi because they're sold out for 22 <laughs> for the entire year. It does everything in the EV space that you need in terms of the sensors, managing the cabin, um, the viewing in the cameras. It's just involved in everything, including regulating, to an extent, the electric charge, AC, DC. So you're not going to be able to build an EV without on. And if the market remains tight, I just think the stock can, can go up maybe 50 percent from here, growing very nicely. 
Wow, up 50%. Yeah, we're getting, getting a you know, little nice move right as we're talking about it. You know, the other thing, Steve, that stands out to me is your sector pick, um, which is technology. Hmm. Yeah, look, uh, technology to me is an all-weather sector. It just pick how much is it going to grow. So I continue to see growth this year. I continue to see 5G use, adoption, expanding, particularly given that labor is so short and expensive. You're going to see automation everywhere, and you're going to see continued movement to the cloud. So that's all in technology. I prefer the cheaper technology stocks, such as Corvo, where they're growing top line at 10% and bottom line at 20 to 25% and selling at a PE of 14 times. Ridiculously cheap was down on the year, actually, by a percent or two. And I picked that one over Skyworks. They're interchangeable because Corvo can be acquired, and I continue to see consolidation in the semi-space. Okay. But uh, Dr. Scott, J, lastly to you as part of our stock. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, Sorry. Scott. I was going to say, who? Go ahead, John. I'll see you. Weiss, go ahead and Johnny finish, Cash. Weiss. Okay. Okay. The best risk reward in my entire portfolio is Porsche, because if they spin out Porsche, which I expect them to do, that could add 50 to 100 billion to market cap. My downside is negligible at a six to seven PE. So that's the most attractive risk okay. reward in the portfolio. Dr. J, MGM, Salesforce, CRM and PayPal are your three picks. Semis, your sector. Tell us about one or two of those ideas briefly. All right. Briefly, Scott, uh, semis, that's an easy pick because they, the demand is far exceeding their ability to supply. So that means prices and margins are going up. Uh, PayPal, 383 million individual users of their service right now. They're one of the first movers in digital banking, Scott. They've got, of course, eBay and the Venmo relationship coming up right now as the clock turns uh, to 2022. And then you see MGM recovery, uh, people going back out and hitting Vegas. And of course, CRM. Uh, I just think this one is one of the leaders in the space. And as long as we're going to see continued economic acceleration, CRM is going to be a big beneficiary of that. Okay. And again, semis, your sector pick uh, through the SMH. Doc, thank yes, you. Sir. We continue this all week long. Josh Brown, Stephanie Link, Bryn Talkington, Jim Labenthal, they all unveil, unveil their best ideas tomorrow. We look very much forward to that. Up next, John is back with Unusual Activity. Let's do Unusual Activity. Dr. J, what do you have for us today? Uh, Gap stores, February 4th expiration. The 1850 calls just out of the money. A lot of those purchased, Scott. Second one, Hood, Robin Hood, of course, H-O-O-D, January 28th expiration. They're buying the 21 calls with the stock at just shy of 19. I bought both of these positions today, Scott. Good stuff. Doc, thank you. Quick break. Final trades are next. All right, final trades. Liz, you're up first. S&P low volatility ETF is a way to stay invested but dial down the risk. Fortress, okay. Fortress Transportation and Infrastructure. A whole new group of investors will come in when they do their C-Corp conversion. Hess. 
Excellus, ACLS. Apache, APA, bought it during the show. All right, uh, good stuff. We'll keep our eye on that. Nice move for uh, Apache today. Guys, great start to a new year. Stock Summit continues tomorrow. That does it for the Halftime Report. The exchange begins right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.